0: Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Before we get into tonight's lesson, so I hope you will have a copy of the schedule of events to take place before and after the return of Jesus the Messiah. I have divided this up into basically four Roman numerals, four sections. First, what I think will take place prior to the tribulation period, what I think will take place during the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. Thirdly, what I think will take place in the second three and a half years of the tribulation period, known as the Great Tribulation, and then the events I think will take place after the return of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, we have looked at Roman numeral 1, the events that I believe will take place prior to the tribulation period. And I believe those six seals over in Revelation chapter 2 will be broken and will lead us up to the time of the tribulation. You remember I said, I do not think these seals are consecutive but rather concurrent. I think the one seal is broken, the Antichrist, and he continues on until the end of the tribulation. The second seal, which is, I believe, uh, the Russian alliance invades Israel, and I think that will bridge over into the other seals as well. The third seal, worldwide famine. I think that famine will be as a result of the war that we see in the second seal. Death of one-fourth of the world's population. Again, it will be concurrent with the war and with the worldwide famine. The martyrdom of Christians is the fifth seal, and the sixth seal is a great cosmic upheaval where mountains, all the mountains shake as tremendous earthquakes, and I said to you that I believe that could be a limited nuclear war or limited nuclear exchange, and by limited I don't believe it's going to be a worldwide thing that will destroy the whole world, but rather it will be uh, limited in its nature, but it will be cosmic in its effects, and I believe that will bring us up to and into the tribulation period, Now we looked at Roman numeral A, which was the Antichrist, and we looked in detail about him uh, and his rise to power during the first three years of the tribulation. Uh, we saw that he makes a peace treaty with Israel. And you remember I said that's one way we know the tribulation has begun. Uh, we saw that uh, God seals his people uh, from his wrath. Uh, we saw the temple is in it being rebuilt. Uh, we saw that um, he, God raises up two prophets. And we talked about those prophets. Uh, now today we are beginning with the trumpets of God's wrath that I think will begin with the first three and a half years of the tribulation. As you notice from your sheet, I think the first four trumpets of God's wrath will take place in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. But I don't think the fifth and sixth trumpet will take place until we get into the great Tribulation. And I say that because of the different nature of these six trumpets. The first four trumpets, I believe, are in the realm of the natural supernatural. Right? God uses natural uh, phenomena to accomplish His will in a supernatural way. And it's what's supernatural about it is God's timing, God's doing it. Uh, he's taking uh, uh, control of the events. It's no less miraculous uh, than if God just decided to to uh, create something just on the spur of the moment. Uh, for instance, uh, it may well have been when when the God divided the Jordan River uh, or the Jordan River ceased flowing so they could go over into the promised land uh, that there was a big uh, kind of a, Avalanche upstream and it fell in and blocked the Jordan River. And eventually, when it got to where they were, it was dry and they were able to walk across. Now, that is a natural, supernatural event. Now, it's natural in that it was just the avalanche of the sides of the cliff falling down and stopping up the Jordan River. It was supernatural in the timing of it that at the moment the priests put their feet in the water, God told them it was going to be a hole in there and they were going to be able to walk through even when it didn't look like they could because it was still flowing, but at the moment they put their feet in that water that it made a way for them to go through. It dried up again. It's no less of a miracle that God would use natural means to accomplish His will than if He just said, so be it, and the water just evaporated. No less of a miracle. Now, with these first four trumpets, we have the natural supernatural occurrences. But as you move into the fifth and sixth trumpets, we get over into the supernatural spiritual realm. And I think we are, as we see, this moves us into a whole different dimension as we move into the spiritual demonic aspects. But now back to uh, letter F in your Roman numeral two. Now last week, you remember, we saw the tribulation from the Christian perspective, Jesus over in Matthew 24 tells us a believer what to expect from the Antichrist, Satan's man. He talked about the suffering that we will experience from this satanic fiend during the years of the tribulation. Now today, Revelation pictures the tribulation from another perspective. It is from the perspective of the pouring out of God's wrath on the Christ-rejecting, unbelieving World, God will pour forth his wrath during the time of the tribulation in an unprecedented way. Never has the world experienced the wrath of God as it will be displayed during the tribulation. And the first picture we have is the sounding of the seven trumpets. And then the next display of God's wrath is seen in the seven bowls of God's wrath. Now, there are two important facts that we need to make note of as we begin to talk about these trumpets of God's wrath. First, these trumpets of God's wrath are poured out only on the unbelieving world. Poured out only on the unbelieving world. And if you have your outline, that is the Roman numeral 1.8. Only those who are not believers, who are not born again, will experience these trumpets of God's wrath. You remember in chapter 7, verse 3, we saw where God sealed his people. He told the angel to hold back, not to harm the earth until his bondservants are sealed. So we saw that in chapter 7. So God will seal, he'll put his mark on his own, And they will be protected and they will be preserved. Also, if you notice in chapter 9, verse 4, that we're told, and they were told, that is this demonic host, they were told they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now this demonic host were limited and not able to bring any harm on those who were gods, those that had his mark that he had sealed. Also, if you look in chapter 8, verse 13, after the first four trumpets are sounded, it says, And I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. You see that phrase, to those who dwell on the earth? This phrase is used in Revelation to talk about unbelievers, those who have rejected Christ. We saw it, first of all, in chapter 6 of Revelation, when the seal was opened and we saw the martyrs, There at the throne of God. And they were crying out. And praying. Look in verse 10. It says. And they cried out with a loud voice. Saying how long O Lord. Holy and true. Will you refrain from judging. And avenging our blood. On who. On those who dwell. On the earth. See that phrase. Those who dwell on the earth. Refers to unbelievers. Also in. Revelation chapter 13 in verse 8. As we see those who will worship the Antichrist. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Now, if you didn't know what that phrase meant, you'd think it meant every person living on the earth would worship the Antichrist. Well, where does that leave the Christians? But when you realize that phrase is used to speak about unbelievers as he makes clear when he goes on to say, everyone, that is, whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. All right, so the first thing you need to know is these trumpets of God's wrath are going to be poured forth on unbelievers, not on Christians. We have been protected from the wrath of God. Secondly, These trumpets of wrath are intended to bring men to repentance. The trumpets in the Old Testament had several functions. One was to warn of impending danger and judgment. The foreign armies were preparing to invade. They would blow the trumpets to get people's attention. Much like we have the civil defense sirens that go off when uh, there's a bad weather or, or some other imminent danger. Well, these trumpets of God's wrath are to warn sinful man so they might repent and turn to God and be saved before it's too late. Even in God's wrath, there is mercy. He is using these to call people back to repentance. All right, now let's move to looking at these trumpets of God's wrath. As I said, the first four trumpets are of natural catastrophes. And these will take place, I believe, in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. All right, first trumpet, verse 7. And the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass was burned up. Uh, Here we have fire and hail on a third of the earth with such huge destructive force that it destroys all the trees, all the grass on a third of the earth. It's all burned up. Now, what could cause this? Well, it could be. Great thunderstorms with such huge destructive hail and intense lightning that they cause these fires. But it could be the result of nuclear fires that are caused by the nuclear war that I said might be involved in this sixth seal that brings us to the tribulation. See how it would be a natural flow? Now it says mixed with blood. Now he's probably describing the destruction to life and animals that are killed by the fire uh, and the lightning and the hail. Uh, and it is very destructive. A third of the earth burned up, trees and all grass destroyed. A third of the earth is roughly equal to South America, North America, and Australia. Now look at and think about the ecological imbalance and devastation that would take place if a third of the earth were burned. First, massive loss of vegetation will cause what? Tremendous erosion, floods, and mudslides. Next, think about the air pollution from all of that smoke, how immense it will be. And yet there will be no vegetation on the third of the world to absorb the carbon dioxide and replace it with oxygen. You know, plant life absorbs what we breathe out, and it breathes out oxygen that we need. Imagine if a third of the earth is devoid of plant life, how that will affect the level of oxygen and the level of carbon dioxide that's present. Now, I have a short video clip that I want to show you. Uh, Now, it's from the History Channel. I do not endorse anything that's said concerning the old age... uh, of the earth, uh, I don't think earth is billions of years old, so any phrases you hear like that, just disregard. But what I think is interesting is it, it talks about what it would be like if there were a nuclear winter. And remember we talked about if this fire and hell, are the result of a nuclear exchange, then you would see some of the very things that John talks about with this burning Uh, of a third of the earth.
1: Five, four, three, two, one. The threat still exists. The possibility that the human species can be destroyed by all-out nuclear war. But this won't happen from the direct impact of hundreds of nuclear weapons raining down on cities around the world or even the radiation. Instead, total annihilation will come from what follows, a cold, bleak, choking nuclear winter. It is a scenario first posed during the Cold War by American astronomer and astrochemist Carl Sagan. The theory, controversial to this day, goes like this. In a total nuclear war, Weapons will explode over major cities throughout the world, creating huge firestorms. These firestorms will consume everything in their paths, sending huge clouds of toxic smoke and soot towering into the atmosphere. These toxic clouds will be carried across the globe by the prevailing winds. This thick soot will block out all but a few of the sun's rays. Resulting in a bleak darkness descending upon the Earth. Without the heat of the sun's warming energy, temperatures on Earth will plummet. Sub-freezing temperatures, combined with fallout from the nuclear blasts, will quickly begin to snuff out life. Without sunlight, there will be no photosynthesis. Vegetation will be doomed. Fields will wither and die. Starvation and disease will be a continuing nightmare for the humans unfortunate enough to have survived the original nuclear blasts. It's believed that the soot choking the planet will eventually dissipate, letting sunlight back in. But it will be too late, as the sun will return to an Earth devoid of almost all forms of life.
0: Okay, as you can tell, that scenario was a all-out worldwide nuclear war. I'm saying the scenario that I see, if that is what it's saying in Revelation, is a third of the world is affected. Now we have the second trumpet of God's wrath seen over in verse 8. And a second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. That's not a mountain. It says like a great mountain. Well, what would you call something look like a mountain falling in a meteor, right? So no doubt he's talking about a great meteor. Uh, now we have had meteors hit our earth. Uh, in fact, they say a two million ton blast occurred from a media a thousand years ago out in Arizona, and it resulted in a hole nearly a mile wide and 570 feet deep. Uh, A media, this media they project had the destructive power of a 30 megaton hydrogen bomb. Now notice this trumpet deals with the sea. A third of the sea becomes blood, like the Nile River. A third of the fish die. A third of the ships are destroyed, probably because of a tidal wave that will be caused when this meteor falls into the ocean. All right, now look at the third trumpet of God's wrath in verse 10. And a third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. And the name of the stars called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Here again we have a great meteor falling from heaven on the rivers. Attention moves from the waters in the sea to the waters on land. And again, tremendous destructive power such as a third of the rivers became wormwood. And wormwood is a very bitter substance, and many people die as a result uh, of this water and uh, and drinking it. So it becomes poisonous. And then the fourth trumpet is seen over in verse 12, where we read, And the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were smitten. So that a third of them might be darkened and the day might not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way. And it seems that a third of the heavenly bodies are darkened. I don't think it's a coincidence that on the fourth day God created the sun. And this fourth trumpet has connection with the sun. It's smitten. And we're not told what happens, only that a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. Now, how a third of the sun, moon can be darkened, we don't know. But it might be similar to what we saw with this nuclear winter. As all the fire and, and all the aftermath of these meteors, uh, it causes a thick layer to surround the earth, or at least a, a third of the earth so that that third does not receive the sunlight. Uh, That is needed. Now remember John's not giving us scientific details, but he's painting a picture. Perhaps the days will become a third shorter. We don't know for sure. But less sunlight we know will have a devastating effect. There will be a shorter growing season. Less sunlight for crops. Much colder weather will result from this. And so these trumpets dealing in natural catastrophes are going to have a devastating effect on the third of the world and I believe a third of its population. Now again, we have a couple of more videos that we want to show you. Same disclaimer, but it deals with what would happen if a meteor fell on the earth. Apply this to what we've read, not to exactly everything they're saying there, but just trying to give you an idea of what, Could happen.
1: If people on Earth vanished, one cause could be a meteor strike. It would be a horrific, hellish event. 65 million years ago, it's believed a meteor strike led to the extinction of the dinosaurs and just about everything else on the planet. A meteor strike today similar in size to the one that killed the dinosaurs would have the same cataclysmic results. This time though, humans would be the victims. It would take a meteor six miles wide to wipe out all life on the planet. The impact of such a strike would cause an earthquake estimated to be 13 on the Richter scale. Volcanoes would erupt Lava would flow like water. Plumes of volcanic ash would set off lightning in the sky. Wildfires would ignite. Entire forests would burst into flames. Smoke from these fires would mix with massive amounts of dust generated by the impact. The sun would be completely blocked out, plunging the earth into total darkness. a global winter would envelop the Earth. And don't think we'd be safe if the meteor slammed into the oceans instead of land. The blast would cause a tsunami the likes of which the world has never seen, nearly two miles high. The good news is this type of cataclysmic meteor occurs only once every 100 million years. The bad news is that smaller meteors, but large enough to wipe out major cities, fall from the sky much more frequently, about once every 1,000 years.
0: God supernaturally relegates it to a third of the earth. Now you say, well, what about the Christians? You said none of them are going to be bothered. Are we all going to be on another part of the world? Well, I don't know. Evidently, you know, like the... Egyptians and the Israelites remember the Israelites all in Goshen and when God separated the plagues uh, the rest of the plagues happened in the other part of Egypt but Goshen was spared so maybe I don't know maybe the antichrist is going to herd all Christians into a certain region Uh, maybe we're going to be put in detention centers concentration camps I don't know Uh, I'm just explaining what I believe the scripture teaches okay that will conclude our study for tonight.